Hello lovely people, how are you? I hope you're good and welcome back to part two of the next chapter with Andrea McLean. Now, where were we? We were about to learn why Andrea decided to leave her huge high profile job of host of Loose Women to begin her very own next chapter. And for me, it it changed the course of my life because it meant I felt I understood. So the women that I help now and that I, I do group coaching now and this sort of thing, there's nothing anybody can tell me that I haven't experienced before. People are really surprised by that because they see me as this shiny lady who's been on the telly and, you know, you've heard so much today that even you didn't know about me. Um, and people have this idea of someone who, you know, wears a dress and high heels and the hair looks nice, that actually that's how they are all the time. Of course not. We've all, we've all got scars. We've all got our experiences. In this episode, Andrea is really honest about what life was like behind closed doors. She also tells us about the moment when she announced her decision to leave on air and so much of what she was relying on fell apart. Andrea speaks even more openly and honestly in this part of the conversation and she gives some advice which I personally haven't been able to stop thinking about. I really hope it will help you as much as it's helped me. Hello and welcome to The Next Chapter by Ellie Barker. The idea behind this podcast is that as I start my next chapter from journalist to author, I speak with some incredible people who've already started their next chapter in the hope it might help you with your next chapter. Or at the very least, you'll just enjoy the conversation. So here she is, part two, with the wonderful Andrea McLean. So if we go back to so celebrity SAS Who Dares Wins, because that sounded like a very pivotal time and can you explain why it was such a game changer for you so celebrity well not celebrity just the program i just happened to do the celebrity version um ss who does wins is a is a channel for tv show for anyone who hasn't watched it and the premise is really simple and what it is is it takes uh four special forces um former special forces officers and then they take a group of people and they basically treat them as if they are going through the special forces recruitment procedure which is the it's the final the final stage of recruitment and what that is is where you are taken away and you are you are tested physically emotionally mentally psychologically in every kind of way through a series of incredibly grueling and demanding exercises whether it is fitness to the extreme whether it's quite brutal there's mind games going on there's there's all sorts and it ends with uh there's it's torture basically as in um people are are locked in a room with a bag over their head and terrible sounds and it's play acted as if they've been kidnapped and this sort of thing sounds dreadful doesn't it 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 does it's gone global (laughs) Uh, it's gone all around the world it's now a huge hit in australia and it's just launched in america as well so when i took part in it uh i was actually this is the first time they had ever decided to do a celebrity version and it was also the first time they had ever done uh, a version with women. So the uh, the officers were not, they weren't happy about the idea of having celebrities on board. And I spoke to them afterwards and they said, yeah, you were right. If you felt like we were being extra hard on you, you were right. We were. Um, and so two things. Why would I agree to go on such a dreadful program? <laughs> um, I was curious. I was curious, first of all, why they asked me. 
Um, Because at the time, I was the oldest person ever to do it. And I was obviously the oldest woman ever to do it. I had not long had my hysterectomy. I was in full-blown surgical menopause. I so every every flag was probably going no not a good idea but I decided to do it because I was curious because I wanted to see what what I was capable of mm. and I knew what I was capable of when I set my own boundaries and my own limitations on myself but what was I capable of when all of those were stripped away and somebody else was putting intense pressure on me to be totally honest I didn't realize it would be as difficult as it was no one can prepare you for how difficult it was and the program literally changed my life it changed the whole course of my life because when i was there there was a moment when the we were it sounds horrible when you say it out loud so we were abducted and uh, and even though part of you is going it's a tv show they're not really going to hurt you or kill you every part of your brain is freaking out and is as terrified as if it's real. Um, We were put on a boat, we had bags over our heads. I was in Chile in South America. So we're, you know, out of your comfort zone. The the boat arrived somewhere, we landed, we're marched in a line, you can't see where you're going. And then the bag is pulled off your head. And this is the first time we've met these, uh, our interrogators, the SAS guys something happened to me in that split second moment when the bag was ripped off my head and I looked into the eyes of this man who was staring at me as if he could literally see into my soul and he hated everything about me. I instantly was taken back to a really difficult period of my life and it was a period in my life where I was in a relationship with someone who also used to look at me that way. And I did not expect this to happen. I I was prepared for it to be difficult and all that sort of stuff. But psychologically, I was nothing had prepared me to be whisked back to this moment in my in my time. So uh, <laughs> we were then we were then made to jump into this cold lake fully submerged, fully dressed, run up a hill, get into a helicopter. I mean, this all happened so fast before we could even think twice about it. The helicopter took off and then I was shouted out to fall backwards out of it, arms folded, and you land head first in a lake when you're about 30 meters up in the air. I mean, this all happens within like 15 minutes. It was insane. So I did all of that, fell backwards out of a helicopter, which I won't do again. Oh, no. It's, but the, and that was kind of the start of it. The second thing that happened was there was a physical challenge where as contestants or participants, we had to fight each other. We had to physically fight each other. I yet again was taken back into that place, to that relationship that I'd been in. And I thought I was going to throw up. It was, it was, it was just terrible. And uh, I did a spectacularly bad job at fighting, as you can imagine. Um, now, these guys are smart. So obviously, they spotted all of this. And, you know, we 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 were beasted, which means you, you have to then do a whole lot of really grueling, like hit training type exercises, but you're outside. D- to put into context, we're in the Andes Mountains in Chile. It's the, the snow on the ground. It's very cold. Um, 
we had to sleep in like this. It's a, a metal hut on camp bed things. I got hauled out of bed in the middle of the night and taken into an interrogation room. And they sat me down. And, you know, there's a bag over your head again and you're led and you don't know where you're going. They sat me down and there's two officers in front of me and Aunt Middleton and Ollie Ollerton. And Aunt said to me, what's going on with you? What's going on with you? And, or words to that effect. And I looked at him and I looked down at the table and I just thought, to be honest, I was so scared. Then he started saying a whole lot of really horrible things that I'd, I'd really r- rather not repeat. But he said some really horrible things to me about my personal life and me as a person and all this sort of thing. And it, I mentally, I understood as, a, as an intellectually, I understood what he was doing. He was challenging me. He wanted to see if I would rise up and shout back at him and all this sort of stuff. But I... Uh, I was able to compartmentalize and I was thinking, right, this is just a TV show. He's shouting at me. My heart is racing and I'm emotionally, everything he's saying is landing and wounding. But I looked up at him and I just said, my children don't know about this. And this is a TV show. I'm not answering your questions and just looked down again. And I was thinking, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, what's he going to do? And there was a very long pause and I just waited. And then the atmosphere in the room totally changed and he said look he said look at me and I looked up at him and he said we are not here to destroy you we are not here to break you we are here to break you down but it's so we can get you to a level that we can build yourself back up again Mm. anything you can trust us anything you say in here it's fine so I told him things I had never told another living soul and Everything changed after that because what they said to me was, we are going to keep, we're not going to let up on you. We are going to keep going for you. But every time we shout at you, I want you to feel all the, all the pain, the rage, the hurt, the, all the, that impotent feeling that you had that you couldn't fight back. I want to see it in your eyes. And I want you to look at me as if you, you all that rage, just let it out. And know that we're okay with that. We want you to get to that point and we want you to use it as fuel. So anyway, they <laughs> they went, God, and the bag goes <laughs> over my head. And I went out. I cried like a baby. Mm. And what's so interesting about this, the guard who took me out was the one who had initially pulled the bag over my head that I'd looked into his eyes and had these terrible flashbacks. And it was him that I cried over. And I was so frightened because I thought, what's he going to do? Am I going to get... I mean, am I going to get told off? That sounds ridiculous. But, you know, am I going to get shouted at again? He so tenderly took the bag off my head and I had blackout goggles on as well. And he took those off and he held me in the biggest bear hug. Mm. And I teared and snotted all over this SAS man. I mean, I cried and cried and cried and he literally stroked my hair. And then he went, (laughs) we all have shit to deal with. It will all be all right. Now, fuck off and don't tell anyone else you've been crying. Oh, <laughs> and he sent me back into the to the sort of barracks. Now, why why that was such a pivotal moment for me and why it changed the course of my life? Basically, the only way I can describe it is all the bats flew out of the box mm. and I couldn't get them back in again. Mm. So when I got home after SAS, 
I thought I would just pick up my normal life where I was. I'd had this experience. It was extremely challenging, but that was that. And I would do what I always did and put it in a box and carry on. I could, I just couldn't. And I tried and tried. And I tried to do what many, many people do, and which was to keep really busy. And I, I was very into my fitness. I was very into, I was doing all the right things. The podcast that I know you and I both enjoy, I was listening to all of them. I was listening to one in particular by a very, very masculine American man who, uh, he's called Ed Milet. And his, uh, it's very good, but his remit is, you know, if you don't want it, if you don't get it, you're not working hard enough. And if people ask you to do 10, do 11. And I get thinking, I'm not working hard enough because I'm, 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 I'm not squashing these thoughts and I'm not getting. Anyway, I completely burned out and broke down. Mm. And it was because I couldn't get the bats back in the box. Mm. Best thing that ever happened to me. Because what it meant was I, I had therapy the first time in my life. I then was able to fully understand the things that had happened to me weren't my fault. Uh, I was able to look them in the face and see them for what they were. And then I was able to to pack them away properly, if you know what I mean. And then look at, right, now I have this information. What what do I do now? And and actually, it was, it was very powerful because I realized that I felt lighter. And I just wanted to keep moving forward in the direction that I had been without dragging I think I put it in my book as like a it's like a bag of rocks I felt like I took the bag off and just put it on the floor um and for me it 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 changed the course of my life because it meant I felt I understood that every experience I've ever had is a lesson in not only that I learn from but one that I can use to help other people so the women that I help now and that I, I do group coaching now and this sort of thing, there's nothing anybody can tell me that I haven't experienced before. People are really surprised by that because they see me as this shiny lady who's been on the telly and, you know, you've heard so much today that even you didn't know about no, me. I didn't. Um, and people have this idea of someone who, you know, wears a dress and high heels and the hair looks nice, that actually that's how they are all the time. Of course not. We've all, we've all got scars. We've all got our experiences. But the difference is now I've learned so much from mine with, with training, with reading, with immersing myself and surrounding myself by people who are so knowledgeable in this field. I now feel that I have so much to offer. So I wouldn't change that experience for anything. I'm so glad it happened. And all of those guys are wonderful. Mm. They're great. I've kept in touch with them since then. They're wonderful guys. They know exactly what they're doing. Um, and I don't think they always get it right. And I think some people don't react as well as I did in terms of understanding intellectually what they were doing while they're doing it. Um, but for me, it was an incredible experience and one I'm really glad I had. Mm. And when it, when you took your mask off and you that first time and you said you saw that man had hate in his eyes, looking back, do you actually think he really did hate you? Or was that you, like you say, in a flashback, it was a look and that sent you back somewhere else? Because this is what we do, Andrew, isn't it? We, we, we take our past and we put it in our present and we get it all wrong. <laughs> Well, now knowing Billy like I do, because it was Billy was the one who took it. He, he did. <laughs> he oh, did he? Well, <laughs> Billy, I think he got that wrong. I think he got that no, wrong, Billy. And actually, I I love the bones off that man. He's yeah. a lovely, lovely human being, and I've got to know him really well since then. But at that moment in time, 
at that particular split second, yes, he did, because he was he was in his role. He was he was being what he needed to be at that moment, which was playing the part of an interrogator who needs to destroy the person standing in front of them. And so, yes, he did. He was channeling all of that. So that moment, he didn't know me. He didn't know who I was. It wasn't personal, but he hated, he hated what I represented standing right in front of him. He, mm. And it was up to me to win him round mm. because that's his job at that point. Mm. And so I, I get it, but it wasn't personal. He didn't know me. He had no idea who I was. Mm. But this is interesting, isn't it, Angie? Because like when you say like shiny TV and this is, and it's not just television industry, there's other industries like it. But we, um, and I do this in your, in your book um, and I was listening to like, you know, you'd sit r- around a, TV, um, a table and I know since you've got in meetings with your husband, Nick, who hasn't been into the, in the television world. But over the years, you are made to feel as, you know, as, and it, people can apply this to other jobs as well but made to feel too young too old not good enough you're just the you're just the weather girl blah blah you know not understanding what you do and and like you said earlier to be able to put all that technical knowledge into very simple terms is an extremely clever skill to be able to do but so you know it just goes to show doesn't it that sometimes we feel we feel how we feel and somebody listening to this would never have believed that you could have felt everything you've told us that what you've been through but you have been you know even you feel undermined at times when you're sitting in front of some of these people but I think everybody feels undermined because there are people who who want to undermine you. The thing is, you know, Eleanor Roosevelt might have said, "No one can make you feel inferior without without your, you know, without you deciding it to be so." But she said it a lot better than I did. But you know, it, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and that's true, but to a point. That's assuming that people are doing it unintentionally. There are people who intentionally will make you feel bad. Of course they will, and of course they can. That's part of life. That's part of you know how it is. Um, I think the key is to remember is to look at the why. Why did that? Why does this person sitting in front of me? Why is it so important to them that I feel so small? Ninety nine point nine percent of the time, they want you to feel small so they can feel big. So clearly that means that the insecurity is lying within them. Or the reason they're trying to make you feel small is they want to see if you can hack it. Can you take it? Because sometimes if you're going to be working in a high-pressure environment, there will be moments where you are under attack, where someone is trying to undermine you, someone is trying to trip you up. So that this could be an instance where actually it's just a test. It's just to see whether you have the strength within you and the self-belief within you or even the quick wittedness within you to be able to put your ego to one side and deal with exactly what's in front of you. Mm-hmm. Now I, I see this all the time. You know, there are people who, th- there are journalists out there who uh, it's, their, it, it's their calling card to interview someone and to want to, to trip them up. And for them, it's a game. It's not personal. They, it's just something that they enjoy doing and they like doing. If you can zone in on that, and again, this could be broadening it out. So it's not just being used in the in the media. If you're in a job interview and someone is deliberately being an ass and trying to trip you up, two reasons for that. One, they're really not very nice. Would you want to work there anyway? Mm. Take it back. Or it's a test. But it's all on you on how you react to it. So take a breath 
and not let your ego get in the way and try and think, why is this person doing this to me? Mm. Is it just that they're an ass? And if it is, I don't want to be in that company, uh, literally or figuratively. And if it is a test, okay, what is it that they're trying to see that they're going either going to get a rise out of me for? Or what? It, what is all this about? And normally you'll find that if it is personal, you don't want to be around them. And if it isn't, well, isn't this interesting? Mm-hmm. How interesting. Yeah, yeah. No, it's and this is this is then the work that you're doing with this girl is on fire. Um and you're doing you, I mean you become a life coach, which I think is amazing. Um and there's so there's developmental sessions, you do motivational talks, you've got um inspirational conversations with your own podcast. So this is what you're doing, empowering women to live like and you want to do it this on a global scale. Now, when was it coming back from the the TV show and say so there was a moment I know you were with your lovely friend Donna, who just sounds amazing with, with having your makeup done and she could see as well and you basically you always have a lovely smile the girl outside but behind closed doors that is you were not like that at all you know you were not feeling like that at all and she spotted it and you realized you just couldn't and she said to you what are you doing you know why are you doing this was it then that then you decided to leave loose women and then is that is was all of this what made you think do you know what if I'm going to do this I'm going to go all in so that moment that you're talking about happened about 18 months before, okay. um, I would say. I think it was about then. Um, so it was just before my 50th birthday. So that would make it in 2019. So, yeah. Um, so it was about a year before I actually decided to, to leave. So that moment when Donna stood in front of me, literally like Wonder Woman in front of a speeding train and just went, Stop just stop I don't know what you think you're doing and and who you think you're kidding but something is up and you need to just stop um that was when I was going busy 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 <laughs> and then I just literally fell down um so no it that wasn't the moment that I left but it if I'm brutally honest it's the moment the seed was sown because I I actually went away on holiday not long after that and uh I had a bit of time to think and it was then that I, I realized I wanted to put all my energies into this Girls on Fire. So I was working really hard, really for the next year, seeing how I could make this grow whilst still working uh, on Loose Women. And then, of course, the pandemic happened. And I, that was when I realized, right, OK, I need to I need to take the chance and I need to jump. Mm. And also, I've done this job for a really long time but I'm not feeling the same joy for it that I did at the beginning. I'm feeling more joy over here. Mm. This is what I'm meant to do. I mean, I suppose in a way it's like leaving a relationship, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't working for me anymore. Nothing, there's anything wrong with it or anything like that. It just actually, I'm finding more joy over here. Mm. So um, it was that. And you did it. I mean, and what a huge, and, and I know when you, when you resigned, the ITV were great about it. You were nervous about that. They were great. But on the day that you actually announced on air, I've heard you speak that then you had lots of um, sponsorship or some private work. All Obviously, this was all part of the plan of paying your bills. And they all went away. Your agent said they've all gone. Mm, on the day I announced I was leaving so I publicly made the announcement that I was leaving on the telly you know and it was really hard and I broke down in tears and I hadn't planned what I was going to say so it all kind of came out in a bit of a jumble but I announced that I was leaving I had three three um bits of corporate work lined up so it was a mixture of uh, PR work and, and this sort of thing and in you know when you're making any big life decision you know finances are forefront of all of that 
And that was going to be my money in the bank, my safety net for the next six months or so, whilst I really focused on getting the business up and running. And on the car journey home, my agent rang and he just, she just said, I'm really sorry, they've all gone. And they had all dropped me instantly because I wasn't going to be on TV anymore. And the bit that really hurt was all of those brands are, not were, are linked to either women's well-being or women's women's growth in some kind of making them feel good about themselves in some sort of way. The irony is not lost on me that actually you are you're literally not backing me because I'm stepping away to do this one thing that is exactly what you say you do for your customers. Mm -hmm. And no one is showcasing to the globe that she really puts her money where her mouth is than me because I'm stepping away from a high profile job to do this. And yet you're so shallow minded that you're not going to carry on working with me. I can't even mention your brand on television. So it doesn't make any difference. Mm -hmm. Why would so... But again, I got home and went, right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is already going to be a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. But what can you do? It is what it is. It's happened. So you just crack on. And that's when then you decided, was that more to have sort of women advertising, not advertising, but you're showcasing their their talents that they can help with your courses and that they can they can do this through your website so that they know that, that it's trusted and that they can get great service isn't there and so now Andrea what I mean I know this is a big question but what is life like now I mean to to me what you always wanted to do where you wanted to be editor of Cosmopolitan magazine in a way you're kind of you're, you're doing it all because you've got your own you write on it so you're and you're editing your own work and you're doing um you're doing interviews you're doing talks you're still doing television you've got great social media I love it you're working with your husband it looks it looks it looks it looks everything that you've spoken about that like it's all come together and what is it like working and living like this um it's like anything else it's it's amazing and it's challenging um for example the we spent 2 years uh building an app and working very, very hard to get the right technology in place so that for me, I wanted I wanted to put personal growth in the palm of your hand so that when you're standing in Starbucks and you had that spare few minutes, you could literally open your phone, click on this girl's on fire and see something that was really uplifting, even if it was a, you know, a few minutes, you'd read a guide or you'd see some posts that made you feel good without the distraction and noise of the rest of the world's social media. I put my heart and soul and everything into it. Early this year, we had to close it. Purely because I got COVID three times and I ended up, I couldn't work for five months. Mm. So that was something that we did not have in our blueprint for failure or our vision board for success or all the things. Um, so what I've done is I've actually taken all of those, uh, all the masterclasses and courses and everything else that I'd run within the app. So they're now available to everybody. How I see that, the moment I closed the app, my heart broke into a million pieces because it felt like all this hard work was for nothing. I don't feel like that anymore. How I see it was, okay, it didn't work in that way. There's always another way. So you can, you know, I was saying before, you know, that somebody does something to you that's really difficult and you have a split second to decide whether you can rage and spit and cry and roll on the floor. Um, 
or you can just roll your sleeves up and crack on. I did the crying and rolling on the floor because I was really upset and disappointed and embarrassed and scared and all of those things. And now I don't feel like that. Now I just think, okay, that wasn't meant to be. Now there is another way. Now those courses are on my website and anyone can have them. It doesn't matter whether they're male or female or whatever. Anyone can can have them. And actually that's broadened my thinking. So now I realize, okay, maybe I was closing myself off too much. Maybe there's a, there is another way. So what I do now is I go into, I, what I realized is, I'm also missing this huge part of my life. It's like I walked away from it, went, right, 25 years, that didn't exist. Oh, my gosh, I have 25 years of worth of experience because obviously, remember, 23 ITV and then obviously I worked elsewhere um, of working in television. I have this huge skill set. I now know how to coach and I have two decades worth of TV experience. So what I've done over the past few months is I've combined the two together. Mm -hmm. So now I either do one-to-one or I do group coaching, I go into businesses and I show them how to present themselves in the best possible way. Mm -hmm. And again, what that's done is it showed me that, okay, that bit wasn't meant to work. Maybe I was meant to do it in this way. So I still support women in midlife in in my Facebook group. I now put my uh, my live conversations that I have, I've decided I'm just going to put them on YouTube so that anyone can have them that way. But in terms of how I utilize my skills commercially, it's I go into companies and I show them all everything that we just we've talked about in terms of what live television is really like, how to stay calm, how to not let your ego trip you up when someone's interviewing you and, and actually are they are they playing a game with you? Are they are they trying to help you here? You know, if someone asks you a difficult question, see it as an opportunity. Mm-hmm. It's a great opportunity to put someone right. They're not necessarily trying to trip you up. Actually it's a brilliant chance to to tell them to tell the world the truth. So don't always think that someone's out to get you. I'm now able to to show people how to do that. And that gets me really excited. Mm-hmm. So now I feel that both sides of me are being stimulated. So the Andrea that wants to to help, I'm still doing that, but I'm doing it over here. And the Andrea who gets really excited and fired up about helping people be really great at what they do, that's being stimulated over here. You know, and I, the world is such an interesting place. Who mm-hmm. We're only halfway through this year. Who knows what? The rest of this year has got in store. Mm. There could be a whole load more adventures. Yeah. It just didn't. I just didn't end up where I thought I'd be. But really, come on, Andrea, that's what your whole life has been like. Is not ending up where you thought you'd be. So this is just part of it. Yeah, I love that. I well, you've kind of answered your to be continued there because that's that's the whole thing, isn't it? You that's this is the whole point, and what you're encouraging other women to do is to like say take off this blinker of this is how life should be, and actually go with your heart and how it feels. So just very very quickly, I can't let you not have acknowledgements, Angie. Everyone has mm. acknowledgements. Who would you like to thank? Who's helped you along the way? So this is really interesting. When when I um, you know, and when I saw the, the the structure of how your your brilliant podcast is run, and I think it's such a great format. When I saw the acknowledgements bit, I thought that's so interesting. Who would I thank? And it sounds really awful and big headed, but I thought me. Yeah, that's <laughs> brilliant. I love that. Actually, um, I did this. You did. 
and, and nobody ever does anything alone. Of course not. I have to thank my amazing English teacher, Mr. Gellis, who when I was being bullied at school, he encouraged me. And, and when I showed, he was the only person I told about getting my article published in <gasps> just 17. Wow. He literally picked me up, which I'm not sure you're allowed to do anymore. But he picked me up and gave me a big hug and was so happy for me. Um, the amazing journalist that I met in the in the Harbour Mail. Um, the <laughs> the people who told me I wasn't good enough. The the SAS guys who scared the living bejesus out of me. You know, the, the, the guests who have made my life really challenging and I've not enjoyed at all my time interviewing them, but I went home and thought, I really learned something today. All of that. I want to thank everybody, all of them, because without the light, the shade, the bad, the good, um, I wouldn't be where I am. So actually, it's it's all of it's all of them, but me, because yeah. I'm I made it happen. You did, you did. You walked away. You faced things. It, yeah, you did, and that's such an inspiration. Which is why, again, I say I won't keep going on about it. But your book, This Girl's on Fire, it just it just resonated such a lot, and I recommend anyone to listen to it because when you do talk into the depths and you're great, the way you do and articulate some of these feelings it's it really is helpful so to somebody who's listening to this who is feeling hugely stuck at the moment Angie and it can be anything uh, and I know we could talk all day but you know it could be in a marriage but it could be in the job in a life that they are just stuck and this is not who they think they are they're feeling miserable they're not acting in the way they're not being brave but also they feel so completely stuck with everything that they can't get away from it what would you say to that person who's listening to it thinking do you know i need to make a drastic change and i've got no idea where to begin i think what's really key there that you said is the word drastic change mm. because i think so often we think that when we're feeling stuck and this is particularly women who, you know, any time from your mid-30s upwards, you, f you think that it's going to have to be something drastic that will take you out of this feeling of making, stuck, of, of making you feel stuck, whether it is in your marriage, whether it's in your career, whether it's your parenting or wh whatever it is. But actually, it's not. It, it's small incremental change that can make such a difference. So the first thing that and we we all have these feelings, by the way, it's not like, you know, I, I still have times where I feel like I'm stuck, of course. So what I would advise, always, always, always get your notebook out, always get your notebook out, <laughs> or even just a piece of paper and a pen, get a piece of paper out of the printer and a pen. And write down, what is it that I'm feeling stuck about? Just write it down. Nobody else has to see this. It can be a messy, raw, rude, um, ungrateful, nasty, as you like. Doesn't matter. Write it down. What What is it that I'm feeling stuck about? Okay. What is it that I'd like to change? Okay. Why do I want to change that? How do I expect to feel? So what am I feeling now in this feeling of feeling stuck? And what is it that I'm expecting to feel once I feel unstuck? Right. What's the difference between the two? So a lot of the time you can almost put a physical feeling on the feeling of being stuck. It's almost a it's a tightening of the throat. It's a it's a constriction when you think about whatever it is that is making you feel that way, whether it is a relationship or a job or a career. And then when you think about the feeling of being unstuck, it's normally a feeling of lightness and a feeling of, of release and freedom. The bit in between is the fear because we're so afraid of taking any action towards getting to that feeling of freedom because what will people think about me? 
what will what will the consequences of taking action be because they may not be favorable and you're right they may not be favorable there are people in your life who may not understand when you suddenly say i can't go into work anymore i can't do this anymore i i hate where i work my boss is driving me mad my colleagues are insane whatever it is um but don't think that you need to take drastic action if there's another job that you want to do for example start being really practical about it right is it a pipe dream or is this something that maybe maybe i can take a sideways step towards nope it's a total pipe dream i'm nowhere near it okay what steps do you have to take break everything down do i need more qualifications or do i need to change my qualifications to get this say this other job where can i get them from who can i speak to not and google's amazing but also ask around find someone who does what you want to do and ask them how they did it that's the easiest step if you don't know someone google it and look it up there'll be interviews with people who are, who are doing what you want to do then break it down to okay i think i can do that and i need to get that qualification what is that going to cost me in terms of money and time do i have the money to pay for this qualification and do i have the time to commit to it okay if i don't right now how can i make that happen what you're doing and and this is just in a job scenario if it's a relationship scenario what is it that's happening within this relationship that is making me feel stuck is it that we haven't we don't talk to each other anymore we don't communicate anymore i don't fancy them anymore i don't think they fancy me anymore do i want to fancy this person and love them or do i think actually it's run its course you need to have an honest conversation with yourself because doing nothing means nothing changes is the saying but i would always put an asterisk on that they say doing nothing means nothing changes but you change because the longer you leave something as it is the more angry, resentful and bitter you become. And you multiply that by 1 year, 2 years, 3 years, 5 years, 10 years and you've taken no action. You will become more disillusioned, more angry, more bitter and it will suddenly become everybody else's fault rather than your own. And the reason why you feel so angry is because actually what you don't change you choose. If you've made a decision continuously oh i could do something about that but i don't have time i'm too scared i what's everybody going to say there comes a tipping point where you're choosing it and if you don't make a decision to either look into what it is that you want and take micro steps towards it there comes a point where you've chosen that and again that's fine if you wake up one day and go holy crap <laughs> it's 10 years down the line and actually no i chose this It is never too late to go, but I'm not anymore. So don't ever think, well, that's me done. I'm in my mid fifties. What's the point? I might as well sit it out until I die. No, there's there is always there is always another way. It's just down to you to get a piece of paper, write it down, and then break it down into manageable steps, bite-sized little chunks, and then before you know, you know, each step, even if it is minuscule, is still a step. take that just to sort of finish with what i would say is if you're you're thinking you want to take steps away from something or towards something imagine you're doing it in really high heels so if you were doing if you're walking in really high heels you would never take a huge step because you always feel a little bit wobbly you'd take small steps but you still get to where you're going you always think it's going to have to be these huge strides it's not you're, you're doing it in stilettos to take little baby steps but you'll still get there. 
Andrew McLean, I knew you were going to be a good guest on the next chapter. You've been an amazing guest. It's been a joy to speak with all your next, next, next chapters. I might have to ask you to come back again one day if you don't mind. Thank you for being such a wonderful guest. Oh, you're very welcome. And I'm sorry that I spoke so much that it's taken two to fit it all in. Ah, it's just a joy, Andrea, a joy. So there you are. Oh, and it was a joy. I mean, that advice, I love that. I have not been able to stop thinking about it. What you don't change, you choose. I mean, it's tough, but it's true. You just can't argue with this. I'm going to get out my notepad and think about what's next for me. And I really hope you will do the same. Now, you can learn more about Andrea and her brilliant work at her website, andreamaclean.com. The link is in the show notes. And again, her book, This Girl is on Fire, well, it really helped me and I'm, I'm sure it will help you as well. You can find me and my books at elliebarkerwrites.com. And look, I'd love it if you join my mailing list. This way, I'll send you notes all about next chapters and books. I'll keep in touch with you and I'd love for you to keep in touch with me. Now, this is the last in this series, but we will be back in the autumn with some more fabulous next chapters. In the meantime, there are more than 60 episodes now. So if you fancy going back for some inspiration, maybe even listening to an episode again, it's all there and I hope they will be able to help you. And do let me know if there's someone you'd like me to ask to be interviewed for the next series. So until next time, keep thinking, write it down and take those tiny steps. I think you can do it. And Andrea does too. Speak soon.